Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. And I'll begin reading there with verse 69. And then in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. Mark, chapter 16, as our secondary verse. But let's look at Matthew, chapter 26, and verse 69. rather long chapter here, 75 verses in this particular chapter of Matthew. I would say that that would be one of the longest, if not the longest, in the Gospels. But let's look here at verse 69. Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou art also, thou also art one of them, for thy speech betrayeth thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. And he went out and wept bitterly. Let's let's look at Mark. Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, and I begin reading there with verse 2. Mark 16 and verse 2, And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came into the sepulcher at the rising of the sun, and they said among themselves, Who shall roll away, who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting at the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrightened. And he saith unto them, Be not affrightened. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way. Tell his disciples 
and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him as he said unto you. I want you to note there, tell his disciples and Peter. I want to use these two passages, tie them together here. And um, this, this angel of the Lord spoke to these disciples and gave them a message and, uh, and included Simon Peter. And I want to I preach from this subject this morning, a message for those who weep, a message for those who weep. I want the Lord to help us today. We certainly need his spirit to speak to us. How many wants the Holy Ghost to speak to you? You want the presence of the Lord to move in your heart. You want him to, through his word, talk to you where you are. Hallelujah. Why don't you lift up your hands again with me and let's pray together right now that the spirit of the Lord would have its way and anoint in the remainder of this service. God, we thank you so very much for your word and the power, the strength, the anointing that is accompanying the word of God. I pray that you would give a message to somebody here, strengthen them and help them, God, to recover, be restored in their relationship with you. I pray, God, that you would move upon everybody in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you and we praise you for it. Would you worship the Lord with me right now? Let's give praise to him. Come on, let's give praise to him this morning. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you so much for standing, and you may be seated. A message for those who weep. I want to start by just reminding you of the significance of Simon Peter throughout the story of the Bible, and particularly the establishment of the church. This, this great apostle, I'd like to reemphasize to you just how powerful his ministry was in the early church period. Of course, he was a central figure to the establishment of the church in Acts chapter number 2. But let me refresh your memory on why he was such a central figure. Because it was Simon Peter, or to Simon Peter, that we see that uh, he was able to be the first one to really articulate the revelation that God had given him concerning who Jesus Christ really was. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked his disciples, Whom do men say that I am? And one of them answered and said, Some say that you are John the Baptist. Some say that you are... Elias. Some say that you are Jeremiah. And some say that you're one of the prophets. But he looked at them and he said, I want to know something very specific here. I want to know what you think of me. I want to know what you say. And whom say ye that I am? And Simon was the one that was able to articulate this is exactly who Jesus Christ was. He said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
And Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, you may wonder what he's referring to, upon this revelation, upon this understanding of truth, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thy bind shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And I like this. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He was giving him power to open doors. He was giving him power to unlock areas that had before been locked up and had not been uh, received and experienced by uh, those of the religious world. So Simon Peter was given the keys to the kingdom. And the first time that we really see him using these keys that the Lord gave to him, the first time we see him unlocking a door, as it were, was on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter number 2. The Bible says that the day of Pentecost was a Jewish feast of weeks, also called the Feast of the Harvest, that was celebrated 50 days after the first Sabbath of the Passover. And Pentecost literally refers to the number 50. And Jesus, as we learn from Paul's writings in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 6, at his ascension had spoke to some 500 followers and told them to go to the city of Jerusalem and tarry there until they be endued with power from on high. And for whatever reason, during this period, there were those between the ascension and the actual outpouring of the Holy Ghost that failed to tarry and that for whatever reason had left the city of Jerusalem, or at least this upper room where they were gathered together. And the scripture tells us that there was 120 followers that remained there. It says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly... And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Aren't you thankful that you don't have to be taught this? Nobody instructs you in how to speak in tongues per se. But as you yield to God with a repentant heart, the Bible says that every person in this place has the promise and is a candidate once repenting of their sins to receive the wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost. And you speak in a heavenly language as the Spirit of the Lord gives you the utterance. And the Bible tells us that once these people 
having the Holy Ghost poured out upon them, begin to experience this and feel the joy of it, that they come tumbling out of that upper room, out onto the streets of Jerusalem. And there were various groups of people that witnessed them there from every tongue and kindred of that region. As you know, there were various dialects uh, and languages spoken. And these people began to hear people speaking in their uh, own dialect from the region where they were from, the city where they were born. And they didn't understand exactly what was going on. And there were different ones that had different definitions in their minds as to what was taking place. And there were different responses. There were those that were amazed, the Scripture says. And there were those that, that doubted or they, they had a hard time believing that this was of God because they had never seen anything quite like it before. They had never experienced anything just like this in all of their days. And so uh, they doubted that it was from God initially. And then there was another group of people that the Bible says mocked them and said that they are full of new wine. These, these are drunk. And that, that's the reason why they're behaving in this manner is because they're intoxicated. And the Bible tells us that this is when Simon Peter, the key holder again of the New Testament, stood up and he began to proclaim the word of the Lord that had been given to him. And he preached the message that God had laid upon his heart and the message that it would take to be born into the church of the living God. The message that it would take to be born again. What Jesus had spoke to him about. This is what Simon Peter began to proclaim. And he said, these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. In other words, this is not the time when men get drunk. It's not evening time, but this is the middle of the day. These are not drunken as ye suppose, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And as he began to preach and began to proclaim to them, the Bible says that there were those that began to listen to these words. And as the word of God went forth as uh, it does when it's anointed and preached to us. There were those that were pricked in their heart. They were convicted, the Bible says. And the scripture tells us that they ask uh, men and brethren, what shall we do? What is it that we've got to do to be saved? And this is when Simon Peter began to stand up and proclaim and preach with boldness. Repent, Acts 2 and 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you that are standing here today, and to your children, the next generation, and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. 
Amen. In other words, as he draws and as he calls people to repentance, this promise is something that you can experience. This promise is something that you can have. And the Bible says that he went on to say, with many other words, he began to preach to them and talk to them. I want to tell you that there's only about uh, maybe just uh, uh, almost like 40 words there in Acts 2 and 38 that tells you what it takes to get saved. But I like that part where it tells us in Acts chapter 2 and verse 40 that with many other words uh, he continued to preach to them because once you get in the church, you're still going to need some preaching. You're still going to need some instruction. You're going to need many other words to instruct you in the way that you need to go. I'm so thankful that I'm still hearing the preach word of God. That it's still being proclaimed. That it's still being taught to me. And I'm still receiving it into my heart. And the word of God convicts me in some area. Then I, I, want, I want the word to be like a sword that excises things out of my life that does not need to be there. I want the word of God to have a liberty to instruct me and show and reveal to me things about myself that I need to correct because the Bible does tell us that the Word of God is like a mirror. And so this is where it really begins, this powerful ministry of, of Simon Peter. But it doesn't stop there. Matter of fact, the first several chapters of the book of Acts, you read about this man's ministry. And then later in the book of Acts, it transfers to the Apostle Paul with uh, the evangelist uh, Philip and, and, and people like Stephen being kind of in the middle there. But uh, we read about Simon Peter. He went from this glorious occasion and the Bible says that before that day of Pentecost was over with, that 3,000 souls were added to the church. 3,000 souls repented of their sins and was filled with the Holy Ghost, obedient to the Acts 2.38 message. 3,000 soul revival. That's quite a way to start your ministry. That was a powerful day and a high watermark in the life of Simon Peter. But he goes from there, and it doesn't take long until we read about him again. And we don't know exactly how much time lapses, but I'm sure that there was a period of time that lapses between uh, Acts chapter number 2 and Acts chapter number 3. But the Bible tells us that Peter and John went up to the temple at the time of prayer. And it was the time that they normally went it was a, a time that they had designated and had the habit of going to the house of God to pray. And, and this was uh, something that they committed to the Lord and uh, a part of their daily routine. And as they were walking up through the beautiful gate of the temple, they noticed and, and perhaps they had saw him before and uh, passed by him many other times. Maybe they had even uh, contributed to him by placing alms in his cup. But this man, this lame man that had been there uh, for a long period of time, the scripture says uh, that he asked alms of them. And the Bible tells us that Peter looked at him and said, look on us. Uh, I don't know if he turned his pockets inside out to, to prove it, but uh, look on us, silver and gold have I none. But something come over him. I don't know if he was 
living on the momentum of what had happened in Acts chapter 2 or just what it was, but some kind of boldness come over Simon Peter. And he reached down and he said, Such as I have, and took this man by the hand and pulled him up. Give I unto thee. And the Bible said immediately, This man that was lame and weak uh, of his legs, uh, he received strength and he stood up straight. And he began to leap. Not only, you know, there wasn't a period of time when he had to gain strength or the atrophied muscles had to, had to be worked with and had to undergo therapy. But I mean immediately. He began to leap like a deer. And he began to rejoice and he began to shout. He began to proclaim praise unto the Lord. And the Bible said that he entered into the courtyard of the temple, which was something that he had never been able to do because of his condition. The law said that nobody halt or lame or blind could enter in beyond that point. He was stuck at that gate all of the days of his life as long as he had this handicap. But because of his healing, he was able to go further. I'm going to tell you, if you're here today and you have a malady in your life that is hindering you, if you have some kind of handicap that is holding you back, if you have something in your heart or in your spirit or something that you're grappling with that has held you back before this service is over, you can be restored in your inner man. Amen. You can gain strength in the areas that you feel weak. Oh, I want to preach to somebody in this place before this service is over. Areas of your life that you've not been able to stand in. You can stand strong. You can't live for God. You can serve the Lord and go places in the kingdom of God that you've never been able to go to before believe God is able to do that? I said, do you believe that God is able to do that? I believe with all of my heart He's able to give strength. He's able to restore strength. There's people that might feel helpless. You might feel like because of these conditions and, and the way that my life has unfolded and I've been in this place for a long time. It doesn't matter how long it's been. You just need to come in contact with the one that is able to restore. You just need to come into the presence of the Lord. Amen. If you're ever going to advance, you got to face that issue in your life and let it be made whole. Let it be healed. Let God give you strength in those areas of weakness. Amen. What a day. What a day. This was Simon Peter that initiated this. This was a man anointed of the Lord that God was using in the early stages of the church and establishing that he was a savior in the lives of people, that he was able to change and transform people's lives. They had been so steeped in re religion and tradition and all of those things, but uh, it was dead and it was lifeless and it wasn't offering much hope. But now Simon Peter is preaching about a God that is alive. Simon Peter is revealing to them uh, the things of the Spirit and showing them uh, that you can receive the Holy Ghost. Uh, no longer is He a God that is aloof, uh, that is behind a veil, but He's a God that is available to live in your heart. Uh, and if you repent of your sins, uh, He will fill you uh, with the Holy Ghost. Uh, you can have that Shekinah on the inside. Uh, you can experience the glory of God down deep within your spirit. Uh, you can have this for yourself.
Aren't you thankful for a God that is accessible? Aren't you thankful for a God that is available to us? So, you know, as revival breaks loose, the devil gets angry. And that's exactly what happened. As they begin to question what was going on and they begin to do whatever they could to shut this excitement down because this was going against the grain of their tradition. They wanted everything to stay formal. They wanted everything to stay within a certain confined uh, way of doing things and practice and they wanted to stick with the familiar. I'm going to tell you when revival breaks out, it's not always uh, comfortable and it's not always familiar to us. It's not always something that we have seen. Matter of fact, uh, the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 2 when Jesus healed the man that was lowered down through the roof that there were those that were there, Pharisees and scribes, uh, that said we've never seen it on this wise or in this fashion before. We've never had church like this before is what they were truly saying. We've never experienced anything like this before. I'm going to tell you when God gets to moving, I believe we can have church in such a way and God can do such great things things that he would blow our minds it would get outside of just what we've seen and done and been maybe for years but God could move in such a way that it would create a stir in this place a moving of his spirit through this city that people would come and be drawn to it and realize I never saw it on this fashion I never saw it on this wise I've never seen anything like this I've heard about it but I'm seeing it with my own eyes. Amen. I, there's been those that have told me that God was a healer, but I know now that He's a healer because He healed me, because He touched me, because He turned things around for me. Hallelujah. 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 And so we, we do understand that the Apostle Peter is, is being used, but there's those that don't like it, and there's those that that uh, want to, to shut it down. And so a uh, long story here throughout uh, chapter 3 and chapter 4 as, as they're trying to, to, to reason how, how can we come against them because we know uh, it's obvious these men are unlearned and ignorant, but they've been with Jesus. Uh, we, we can't deny that this man was lame and set at the gate, and he didn't have any strength in his legs, but now look at him. He's, he's leaping around like a young deer and like there's never been anything wrong with him. There's no way we can deny this miracle that has transpired in his life. There's no way that we can say that it didn't happen uh, because it is a notable miracle, they said, that has happened a among us. And the Bible says that there in boldness Peter continued to preach. He continued to proclaim the Word of God. Something came over him. The anointing, I believe it was, came over him and he began to preach and proclaim. And the Bible said before that whole situation was concluded that 5,000 more people was added to the church. 5,000 more people 
were baptized in the Holy Ghost, filled with the Spirit of Almighty God. I want to tell you, the more the devil resists, the more the devil fights, the more the devil tries to discourage and resist the move of God and revival, the more it begins to spread. It's like somebody's trying to stomp out a fire and the sparks from it go over into another place and ignite it somewhere else. I'm going to tell you, devil, you can't stamp this out. The more you try, the more it will spread. The more that it will continue to grow and flourish and sweep across the land. I'm telling you, he could stop the anointing and the power of God that was upon Simon Peter's life because he again was the key holder. We could talk about Simon Peter raising this lady up from the dead as he went in and prayed for her and said, Tabitha, arise. Amen. I'm talking about bringing someone that had already received uh, the, the death certificate and it had already been pronounced over them that there's no life here but God was able through the anointing and the prayer of Simon Peter and the faith of Simon Peter to raise her up I'm going to tell you lifeless situations in your life that doesn't mean that, that there's no hope or it's over with uh, or there's no way uh, and you might as well get used to it and learn to live with it and cope uh, no amen Somebody needs to have faith here this morning. It doesn't matter. Amen. It may be a dead issue to some. God is able to breathe life into that situation. When I pray, God is able to turn this thing around for me. God is able, amen, to breathe life into dead issues and things that everything tells me that I just need to give up and quit and it set things as they are. I've come to tell you, as Simon Peter did, you need to pray and God can bring life back into that situation. Come on, somebody clap your hands to the Lord and let's give Him praise together. I mean, it just keeps going. The momentum keeps building. In Acts chapter 8, Philip goes down and begins to preach to the Samaritans. And you understand that the Samaritans were half Gentile, half Jew. And uh, this was something that was never really thought of that could happen among these people. But uh, he goes down and begins to preach to them. And the Bible says that many of them were baptized in Jesus' name. And one of those that were baptized in Jesus' name was Simon the sorcerer. And uh, he, he, he understood that uh, this was truth and he felt the draw and the power and it was revealed to him that this was the truth. And these were people that had been involved in all kinds of sorcery and witchcraft. But the, the gospel was being preached and it was severing the chains and the shackles that were there in the lives of these people. And God moved Philip on, but he brought Simon Peter into this situation because, again, it was significant that he was there because he was the key holder. He was the one that was going to open the door to the Samaritan people. And he begins to tell them that they need full salvation. And as he begins to preach and lays hands upon them, the scripture says that they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And when Simon the sorcerer witnessed them being filled with the Holy Ghost, he said, man, I've never seen any power 
like this. I've never experienced in all of my sorcery and witchcraft and all the things I've been exposed to. I've never seen power like this. Yeah, what could I do? Could I pay you to receive this power? And Peter turned around to him and said, let your money perish with you. You can't buy this. I wish preachers today realized that this is not what you can gain out of it. But if you're going to have the true power of God, if you're going to have the true experience that only God can give, you can't purchase it with money. You can't buy this kind of anointing. It comes from the Spirit of God. Amen. And only the Spirit can make somebody free. Only the Spirit can sever the chains in somebody's life. Only the Spirit can turn situations around like this. Oh, yeah. Praise God. But that's not all. It builds up from there. The Samaritan revival. Uh, the Bible tells us that, that Simon goes down by the seashore. And uh, he's invited into a house there. And he's been in a time of fasting and consecrating unto the Lord. And, and he's going to break this fast because they're preparing food in the house. And everybody knows what it's like to not... Uh, have food for a while, maybe been fasting or maybe coming in from a long day's worth of work and, and you can smell dinner cooking. Maybe that's the reason why Simon Peter went up to the housetop. I can't stand it. I can't stay down here and just smell this aroma of food. No, the tradition was is this is where the cooking took place and uh, on the housetop was a place of leisure and lounge and, and he went up there to pray and and uh, while he was waiting for them to prepare food, which tells us that he had the, the, the uh, wherewithal and, and he had the habit uh, of praying and seeking God in his spare time. I wonder sometimes when we have a little time uh, that is leisure for us, what, what do we do with that time? Do we get on Instagram? Do we get on Facebook? Do we check our uh, social media notifications? Do we, uh, do we get on the computer or Google or YouTube or something else? Uh, and hopefully that's as far as it goes. Uh, but uh, what do we do with our leisure time? What, what do we spend it uh, as we should many times uh, in the Spirit praying and seeking the face of God? He said, i got a little time here. I want to pray and I want to talk to God. And I'm certainly not against leisure time, but some of us are leisure time to death. We're pleasured to death, entertained to death. What we need to do is turn all of that mess off for a little while sometimes. Turn the cell phone off and say, I'm going to put it in its place. And I'm going to touch God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek the face of the Lord. And when we focus and when we pray like that and we talk to God like that, God moves and works and reveals and shows things to us uh, that we need to be revealed to us I'm so thankful that he spent his time wisely like this in prayer because it's so significant to you and I sitting here this morning because it was through that little prayer meeting God began to reveal to him things you know, God can even in those times reveal things. When you've been through a time of fasting and really earnestly seeking God in prayer, God reveals things to you about yourself that you didn't know existed there. Isn't that right? Oh, come on now. Let's be real honest. If we open up our hearts 
and we say, God, I want you I want you to search me. I want you to deal with me. I want you to take and extract anything that is not like you out of my heart. I want you, O oh Lord, to deal with me and convict me in areas that I need to be convicted. I think all of us should pray like that. I think all of us that are sincere should seek God in that manner. Saying, God, you know, it's uh, I've been living for you for some time, but I could have picked things up along the way that is not godly, that is not righteous, that is not pleasing to you. And so, therefore, I want you to deal with me. I want you to speak to me. I want you to talk to me. I want you to help me, God, to make sure that I'm clean and my heart is pure and my spirit is right because ultimately I want to be saved. But even more than just that, I want to enjoy this journey and I want to be pleasing to you and I want to do something for your kingdom's sake. I want to live for you the way you desire me to. Praise the Lord. And so Simon Peter, he didn't realize, I'm talking about a man that's been anointed and powerfully used of God, but he still had some prejudice in his heart. There were still some things there that need to be extracted, that need to be uh, stripped out of his heart, that need to be cleansed out of his heart. You know, uh, we never get to the place that we're too big to allow God to convict us and stir us and move upon us and reveal things to us that we need to correct. Amen. Now, I, I realize that this particular issue that Simon Peter dealt with, uh, it hasn't gone away with the pages of the book of Acts. Uh, we're still dealing with it today, and we've been reminded of it uh, more recently than we should uh, about the, the prejudice and the bigotry that is in our world. I want to tell you that has no place in the kingdom of God. It should not have a place in the heart of a believer. Amen. You leave all of that out there in the world. When you come to God, amen, all of that has to be purged from you. You can't hold that kind of an attitude and spirit and expect to be one of God's children. Amen. I'm so thankful that God was not biased, that he was not a bigot, but he saw fit as me as a Gentile to include me in the church, to let me have a place around the cross. And because he did, I'm here today. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. And I just want to tell you, I don't talk about it a whole lot, but if you've got prejudice in your heart, you need to pray that God purge that out of your spirit. You need to pray that you deal with that. Amen. That is something that you need to confront and, and come head on with it in your spirit because you can't be saved with that in your heart. You can say, well, that's the way I was raised. Well, you was raised wrong, my friend, because that's not the Word of God. God, and it's not the will of God for any one of us. Praise God. Praise God. And so God reveals something to him as he begins to see this sheet coming down and all manner of four-footed beast on it. And there was all of these animals that was not a part of the dietary law of the Jewish people. And the Lord said, rise, Peter, you're hungry, slay and eat. Note when he did this, when the Lord in his timing revealed this to him, was when he was in natural state of hunger. And he says, rise, Peter, slay and eat. He said, not so, Lord. 
I've never eaten anything, and I'm paraphrasing, that's been unlawful or unclean or common. He said, how can you call what I have cleansed common or unclean? And he, a couple of times, has to come back and deal with him about this. And suddenly, there's a knock on the door because there's a man of the Italian band by the name of Cornelius that's been praying and been seeking God. In Acts chapter 10 is where I'm at. He's been seeking God. God, I just want to be more for you. God, I, do, I just feel that there's more for me. I'm not satisfied with my relationship as it is. I don't know how to get there, but God, I want to grow and I want to be more in you. And God begins to, to stir this man's heart and convict this man's heart and quicken this man's heart. And the Bible says prayer upon prayer is like bricks being placed on the side of a building. Amen. A structure building a wall. It comes up as a memorial. The Bible said it comes up as a memorial to God. And God said, I can't look around this no more. I can't ignore it and act like it doesn't exist no more. He's built so many prayers upon prayer upon prayer that it's mounted up to the place that I simply cannot ignore this man no more. Amen. He's a good man. He's been given alms and he's been praying daily and seeking me. I'm going to send him a preacher. I'm going to send him a man of God that can unlock the door. Amen. And give him an opportunity to come in and experience the power, the transforming power of the truth. So the scripture says that that uh, uh, Simon Peter hears this knock at the door. There, there's a message for him to go down and he realizes all of this is coming together. This is all coalescing just in the will of God. And he gets down there and begins to explain to them what he had experienced and he begins to preach to Cornelius and his household and the Bible says this, that the Holy Ghost fell on them while he spake the word. I'm going to tell you, there's something powerful about the Word of God, the anointed Word of God, when it goes forth. You don't need a cheerleader, my brother. You don't need somebody to, you don't need somebody to, to amp you up or to excite you or to find a new twist on the Word of God or show you some mystical thing from the Word of God or unravel something that you've never seen before in the Word of God. I'm going to tell you, when the simple Word of God is preached, it's powerful enough all by itself. It's anointed enough all by itself. When he began to preach the Word of God... The Bible said the Holy Ghost fell on them and they heard them speak. That's how they knew it was real. They heard them speak with other tongues. Hey man, I'm going to tell you, I want as the word is going forth here today something to happen in those pews. You don't have to wait for a formal altar call. You don't have to wait for the conclusion and the benediction. Hey Amen. But while the word of God is going forth, somebody can respond to the word in faith and God. God can move in their life. Come on, lift up your hands and let's talk to God right now. Oh, yes. As the word of God was going forth, 
The Holy Ghost fell on them. It just took over. Finally, when they got the order of the service sorted back, Simon Peter says in verse 47, he looks around to those guys that traveled down there with him. He said, can any man forbid them water? Seeing they have received the Holy Ghost as well as we, they got it just like we got it. Amen. I was there, brother, when you got the Holy Ghost and you spake in tongues just like they spake in tongues. You was there when I got the Holy Ghost and they, I spoke in tongues just like they're speaking in tongues. Amen. They got the Holy Ghost as well as we. We can't forbid them water. I know they're Gentiles. I know that uh, that we've never uh, that we never felt like they were a part of it. Uh, but you remember when I was under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, I didn't even realize what I was saying when I preached uh, that it was going to move from Jerusalem to Samaria to Judea and to the uttermost part of the world. I didn't even understand what I was preaching. You know, I was just under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. But now we're seeing it come to pass upon the Gentiles also. The Holy Ghost is being poured out. And I'm so thankful that it didn't just stay in Israel. I'm so thankful that it didn't just stay among the Hebrew tongue. I'm so glad that it didn't just stay among the Jewish people. But you and I have been made a part. We've been grafted in, the Bible said in the book of Romans. We've been grafted in to the olive tree because God loved, because He cared, and He wanted to save our souls too. Come on, somebody give some praise to Him right now. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, what a day. What a day. What a day. What a day. You know, if it hadn't gone any further, you wouldn't have to read any further. You could have stopped right there with the Samaritan revival in Acts chapter 8, and that would have been the end of the book of Acts. But because of this door being open, we read about a man that was out of due season by the name of the Apostle Paul. He said, I came late to the party, but I'm here now, and I'm going to preach to the Gentile church. I'm going to go to Asia. I'm going to go to cities like Ephesus who worship the God us Diana, the temple Diana being one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. I'm going to step into that city and I'm going to proclaim Jesus Christ to them and raise up one of the largest churches of the New Testament. How did it happen? Because somebody said it's not going to stop. We're not going to put borders on it. We're not going to put a limitation on it. We're going to let God move. The Holy Ghost is going to be poured out. Man, I'm going to tell you when it stops, when the flow and the Spirit of God stops moving is when we put limitations on it. When we start saying who He can feel and who He can't feel. Who can belong and who can't belong. When we become exclusive instead of inclusive when it comes to the things of God. I'm going to tell you this church is for whosoever will. Let him come. Let the drug addict come. Amen. Let the immoral person come. No, I don't say that they stay in that place or in that sin or continue to participate, but let them have room at the altar to get it right and to repent of their sins and let the blood cleanse them and let God fill them with the Holy Ghost and change them. Matter of fact, as the Apostle Paul said, such were some of you. Amen. But now you're a part of the church. Now you're a part of the kingdom of God. Now you're one of God's chosen. Amen. 
Praise God. Aren't you thankful for the message of truth? Hallelujah. This was an amazing, amazing thing. Anointing that was upon this man was an amazing thing. The ministry of Simon Peter is one of the most significant. The Bible says that this church is founded upon, founded upon the apostles' doctrine. Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. And so he has his place, an important, significant. Everything we're building upon is upon this man being obedient to the ministry that God had placed upon him. And yet, as amazing and as powerful and as great, and we could talk about many other things in the life of Simon Peter. As great as it was, as significant as it was, it wasn't always this way. No. You look around this room, and you see people that look like they stand head and shoulders as saints of God, and they do. Prayer warriors, worshipers, maybe even preachers, singers, leaders. But I'm going to tell you, it hasn't always been like this. There are those of us that have had our moments, just like Simon Peter, of weeping bitterly before God. Moments that we felt like that we had blown it. Moments when we felt like losers. Moments when we felt like literal failures and disqualified and a huge disappointment and a letdown. Times when we wondered if we would ever be able to feel him again and experience him, be used of him. And be a part and have the hand of God upon our lives again. And Simon Peter, as I read to you this morning, had such a moment. Jesus had declared at the Last Supper that there's one of you that is going to betray me this night. And notice the reaction. I mean, there was, there was all kinds of things that was clamoring around there. But the Bible says that Simon Peter with such boldness. You know, one thing you've got to appreciate about him is he never was one to slink away from an opportunity to speak up. Sometimes not always correct. Sometimes he got out ahead of God, but at least he was willing to do something. He wasn't one of those guys that you had to inspire a whole lot. He was, he was one that was always out there, very enthusiastic. And the Scripture says that he said, he said, I, I, he said I not only wouldn't betray you, but I would die for you before I'd allow something like that to happen. I'd defend you to the death. And though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. And Jesus looked at him and said, Before the rooster crows in the morning, thou shalt deny me three times. And I read to you this text where the Scripture says that when they arrested the Lord and took him away that he went to a place separated himself he wasn't a part of the ones that 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 continued when they took him into custody he, he didn't continue to try to stay with the Lord but he separated himself and fearful no doubt and disillusioned not knowing exactly what to do 
He is warming by a fire. And there are those that come and say, you know what? You sound like one of those. Matter of fact, you look familiar. And he said, I don't know him. He said it with an oath. And then another time, he says it with an oath. He said, I, I, I don't know him. I'm not one of them. And then when the third comes and asks, says, I know you're one of them. I, 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 I know your, your speech betrays you. The Bible said not only with an oath, but this time he cursed. said, I never knew the man. And immediately, the scripture says that the rooster crew. And he's reminded of the words of Jesus. Before the rooster crows in the morning, you will have denied me three times. And the Bible says with that painstaking failure, heavy upon his mind and consciousness, that he goes out and he weeps bitterly. He's grieved. I've disappointed the only one that I loved and lived for and the one that I wanted to I wanted his approval more than I've wanted anything. I wanted to live for him, be loyal to him, and serve him. And I had all these plans, and I've given my life. Matter of fact, I walked away from everything I'd ever been for these three and one-half years to follow Jesus. And, and I, all, of the, all the great days of my life can be summed up in those three and a half years. What an experience to be able to hear his teaching firsthand and, and uh, to be a part of that inner circle with him and to go to places I'd never been before. I stood with him at the Mount of Transfiguration. I, I was there when the little girl rose from the dead. I, I was there. I was a part uh, of those that stuck, stayed right beside him when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he asked for a few of us to go a little further with him. I was one of those that he picked out and he chose to go. And now he entrusted so much to me and now I have failed him. And he goes out and he weeps. The Bible doesn't just say he wept. It said that he wept bitterly. Disappointment. Regret. Condemnation. Simon Peter felt like he had made an unforgivable mistake. Hopeless. And a sense of, I've done something I can never recover from settles around him. The Bible says that there was those that had went to the tomb on the third day. Mark chapter 16. They went there to prepare the body. And the Bible says they were talking among themselves, how are we going to move that stone? It's so great, it's so big. We're going to have to have help to do that. And when they got there, the stone was already rolled away. Because in their despair, they had forgotten what he had said to them. And isn't that just like us a lot of times? In our despair, we forget the word of God. We forget the promises of God. We forget how much God has given to us and how frequently he has moved upon us and how many times he's confirmed it. We forget about the testimonies, how many times he's healed us and how many times he's answered prayers and how many times he's worked in our lives. When we get in despair, sometimes it tends to, it tends to obscure all of that. Bible says that an angel was there. The tomb was empty. 
ask him whom they sought, and they said, well, we come to prepare the body of our Lord. He said, he's not here, but he done just exactly what he said he would do, and that is that he's been resurrected from the dead. Go tell his disciples, and I like this, and you've heard this preached no doubt before, and Peter. Now, Peter was one of the disciples, but I believe the Lord had something else in mind here, something that the angel was being inspired to say that goes beyond just the normal message. He said, I've got a special message for the one that wept bitterly just a few days ago and felt like I'll never be able to recover. I'll never be able to get back up again. I'll never be able to do what I've been called to do. I've blown it. I've made such a huge mistake and I've a colossal failure. I'll never be able to recover from this. I'll never be able to get back up from this. Oh, the Lord has a message for you, Simon. The Lord has a message for you, Weeper. He says, tell his disciples and Peter that he's alive, that there is hope, that your joy can return, that you don't have to die in despair that it's not over with and can you imagine when they returned and told Simon what had been told to them he said wait 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 just a minute he didn't just say just disciples he didn't just say uh, uh, followers of Jesus no he said your name Simon Peter he said your name he included you because he's got a work for you to do I've got a message for somebody it's not over with you may have wept tears of regret. You may have wept tears of condemnation. You may have wept tears that said I failed and I can't get back up it doesn't seem like. But I come to preach to somebody that the Lord has a message that he wants to deliver someone in this room this morning. It's not over with. There's a day of Pentecost. There's prayers that God's going to answer. There's an outpouring. There's a revival. There's souls that he's going to add to the church. Get back up. Get back in the fight. Understand that God has a work for you to do. Stand with me, would you? It's not the end of the story. I have a message for those that have wept bitter tears. It's not over yet. Ezra and Nehemiah's musicians come. Israel had been in captivity. They had been taken away from their homeland, the place where they had felt comfortable worshiping God, serving God, living for God. And the Bible says that now God, through Ezra and Nehemiah, is going to restore some things. Captivity is going to be turned back. The city of Jerusalem is going to be restored. The temple that had been torn down and totally mutilated. Such sacrilege had been done against it. Vandalized. It's going to be repaired and restored. But Ezra and Nehemiah realized there's something that's got to be done. Because year after year, it is the custom that we read the law of God. 
But because we've been in captivity, nobody's heard the Word of God being read. Nobody's heard the law of God being proclaimed. In other words, there's not been much preaching going on. There's not been much in the way of instruction on how to live that's being proclaimed to us. I'm going to tell you, you should never chafe against preaching that gets to where you're living and challenges the way you're living because it's going to take this to knock off the rough edges of our flesh and it's going to take this to prepare us to be a bride for Him when He comes for His church that's without spot and without wrinkle or any such thing, the Bible says. And the Bible tells us that when they begin to read the law, that it smote them in their hearts. And the people began to weep when they understood what was required of them and how far they had drifted and how away from God that they were. They began to weep. We're not what we need to be. We failed. We've come up short. Nehemiah didn't do this because he was negating the law or saying it doesn't matter. But what he was trying to tell him is the reason why we read this is because today we're going to start being obedient to it. And so he says to them, weep not. Weep not. Mourn not. This day is holy unto the Lord. Eat the fat and drink the sweet and give a portion to your neighbor for whom nothing is prepared. This is why. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. As you hear these words, it should, while you feel so grieved because of the wasted years and the wasted time, it also should inspire hope in you and joy in your spirit and give you strength and realizing, hey, He's given me an opportunity to get back to the altar and make things right. I don't have to stay in a place of weeping. I don't have to stay in a place of despondency. I don't have to stay in despair. I don't have to live with a disappointment hanging over my head. I can make my way. I got a message for the weeper. There's hope. And there's help. And it's here in this place. I said it's here in this place. Praise God. I look in the book of Psalms. I look in the book of Psalms chapter 31. And if I could... If I could just read that in your hearing here this morning. Psalms 31, 34 and verse 6. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all of his troubles. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. Is there somebody that would cry out to God here this morning? Come on, I believe there's more than just a few that God's dealing with here today.
I believe there's more than just one or two that God's speaking to here this morning. I believe there's more than just a, just, just a couple that God is, is convicting and stirring your heart. You say, well, I've, I've had some failures. I've had some regrets. I've come up short. I've failed. Amen. I haven't done what I should have done. And I feel like one big mistake, preacher. I just feel like, amen, there's no way to recover. I've come to preach to you. Amen. And if you've wept bitter tears even this week, God has a reason for those tears. Oh, those tears are flushing out something. Those tears are watering. Amen. A fresh new harvest of opportunity. Those tears of repentance that you pray at this altar are not in vain, but they offer and inspire hope for the future. You can get back up again, my brother. You can get back up again, my sister. Come to this altar. Make up your mind. I'm going to live for God for from this day forward. Amen. As they begin to sing, I want you to reach out towards heaven right now. Come on, everybody in this place, I want you to pray with me right now. I want you to pray fervently.